We're going to do a text class, starting with chapter number 11 in the Laws of Kings. I'm going to read it in Hebrew, translate it in English, and uh, speak about these uh, two laws in the Rambam. The Rambam begins by saying as follows. HaMelech HaMashiach, the King Mashiach, Asid Lamoid Ulahachzir Malchus Beis David Liyashna. He is once again going to arise and return the kingdom of David to its old, to its original splendor and sovereignty. And then he's going to build the Holy Temple, and he'll gather in the dispersed of Israel. So the Rambam already sets the stage and says that Mashiach has to do three things. Number one is he has to reestablish the kingship, the monarchy, because he's going to be a king. After he establishes the monarchy of David, number two is he is going to build the Holy Temple. And number three, he's going to gather in all the Jews to the land of Israel. Just to make mention that after the Six-Day War, the chief rabbi of the armed forces, Rabbi Shlomo Gorin, started a campaign to build the Holy Temple because now they reclaimed Jerusalem and they reclaimed the Temple Mount and he felt that he wanted to now bring back spirituality to Israel and therefore to rebuild the Third Holy Temple. And he brought proofs and sightings from the Jerusalem Talmud and other places that he had a right to do this. And therefore he came to America to get support from the rabbis. One of the great rabbis that he came to was the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And he wanted the Rebbe to support him in the building of the Third Holy Temple. And the Rebbe quoted this Rambam. And the Rebbe, the Rebbe said that the Rambam says, HaMelech HaMashiach, the King Mashiach, he is the one after he reestablishes the sovereignty and the monarchy of the kingship of David, he is going to be the one who's going to build the Holy Temple. And therefore, this is the Halacha Rambam. There's no other Halachic authority that argues with the Rambam. Not the, not the Ravid, and not the Radbaz, and not the Kesef Mish, etc., etc. Everyone clearly agrees with the Rambam. And therefore, you have no right, he said, to go and build the Third Holy Temple. So this is the point that Amon wants to make, that Mashiach is going to be the one to build the Holy Temple. Now, we have a question that we find in elsewhere, other sources, that God himself is going to bring down the Third Holy Temple. So how do we reconcile these two opinions? On one hand, the Rambam says, Mashiach is going to build the Temple. On the other hand, God himself will do it. So there are numerous answers to this question. One is that the Rambam is not arguing on the fact that God could bring down the Holy Temple. The Rambam is saying that we are here talking about halacha, a book of law. A book of law means that what we have to do, what man has to do, not what God has to do. And therefore, as man, Mashiach will be the one to build the temple. Now, if God decides he wants to bring down the temple, of course, Mashiach will allow God to do it. That's one approach. Another approach is that it depends if we are zoicha or not zoicha, if we are meritus or not meritus. If loy if we're not meritus, then Mashiach is going to build it. 
But if we are Zoha, if we are emeritus, and Zohu, the Jewish people, deserve it, then God himself will be the one to bring down the third holy temple. Another approach is that God will bring down the temple and Mashiach will put on the doors to the temple. Another approach is that Mashiach will build the temple and then God will take his temple and bring it into the temple of Mashiach. So there are many ways of how we reconcile these two opinions. But one thing is for sure that we don't have a right to do it on our own. The Sheikh is the one that will be the one to initiate the building of the temple. The Ram goes on to say, And he's going to return all the laws as it was in the early days. In other words, he goes on to say, They will bring sacrifices on the temple. They will once again reestablish the sabbatical year and the jubilee year. Even though today... We do have the Shemitah year in Israel, the sabbatical year. According to most opinions, this is only rabbinic, not Torah law. And furthermore, one thing is for sure, we don't have the Jubilee year, because the Jubilee can only be established when the majority of of the Jews are found in the land of Israel. And being that yet the majority is not there, almost there, we cannot yet follow the Jubilee law. As all the mitzvahs that are found in the Torah. Today, most of the mitzvahs cannot be done because of the fact there is no holy temple. And therefore, we don't bring sacrifices and we don't light the menorah, we don't bring the lachem paponim. Many of the things that are done in the holy temple and in the land of Israel, we cannot do today. So, therefore, Mashiach is going to reestablish all these laws. Then the Rambam goes on to say the following. Now that you know what Mashiach has to do, whoever does not believe in him, in other words, Mashiach as an individual, or you don't await his coming, not only does he deny all the prophecies of the great prophets, he also denies the Torah itself and Moses, our teacher. So therefore, the Ramam is telling us here that it's not enough that we believe in a redemption that will take place through God, but it's important that we believe in a person, that he will be the one that will take us out of this exile. Because there are some opinions in the Talmud that state that God himself will do it, the Rambam is clearly stating, no, you have to believe in a person, HaMelech HaMashiach, and if you don't believe in him, and you don't await him, his coming, you deny the Torah and Moses himself. Why does it mean to await his coming? It's not enough that we believe one day in this utopia, one day in this redemption, one day we will leave this exile, but I have to desire it, I have to await it, like I'm waiting for my brother to come home, or my wife to come home, or my children to come home. I know they're coming, and I'm, and I'm waiting any moment to see them. Furthermore, the Rebbe would quote the, the Briskarov that said that the meaning of an imam in the Munashalem, I believe with complete faith in the coming of Mashiach, and if he, even though he tarries, still will I await him. Every day that he's going to come, not only do I, I wait every day that he's going to come, in other words, that every day I take out some time to await his coming, 
But furthermore, the Briskorov says that I believe and I await every day that he's coming today. Not that he's coming tomorrow or eventually he's going to come. I believe today he's coming today and I am awaiting him. I'm ready for him to come and I'm pining, I'm yearning, I'm desiring his arrival. So after the Rambam makes this introduction, he now brings three proofs to this idea of believing in the coming of Mashiach. Sha'adeya Torah love. As the Rambam says, the Torah itself testifies to this. As it says that God will return the captives, He will have mercy upon us, and He will gather all of Israel from all four corners of the world. Even if you will be spread forth to the ends of the skies, the ends of the earth, God will go with Yacha Hashem, God will bring us back. These words that are stated in the Torah, and in truth, this is something which all the prophets talk about, but it's concise in the Torah. So the first proof is that the time will come, that God will gather together all the people of Israel from all four corners of the earth. That's number one. The Rambam now brings a second proof. And he says, Af Also, in the portion of Bilam, Bilam we know was the prophet of the nations of the world. That in the portion of Bilam, it says over there, and he, and he prophesies, in the two Mashiachs. Mashiach, he says that I'm, I'm the first Messiah, who David. That is David. He saved the Jews from their oppressors. And in the future, an ultimate Messiah. That will come from the dynasty of David. Who will save the Jews in the end of time? There it says, Says the Rambam that we have a pasuk that says, A star shall shoot forth from Jacob. This represents. King David, and a scepter, a leader, will arise from Israel. This alludes to the King Mashiach. So this is the second proof, a proof from Bilam. Why is it important that he brings a proof from Bilam, from a non-Jewish prophet? Because the point is, Mashiach is not only for the Jewish people. Mashiach is for the entire world. And even the non-Jews testify to this. And even the non-Jews will acknowledge that Mashiach will be a Jew. And they themselves will participate and support and protect the Jewish people. And that's why it's so important that the Torah mentions 
this prophecy from Bilam from a non-Jewish prophet. And then the Rambam gives a third proof. What is the third proof? Av ba'ari miklatu oimer, pertaining to the cities of refuge, it says, v'im yarech v'ashem alikecha es and if, or rather when, God will widen your domain, your boundaries, and then you will add three more cities of refuge. What is a city of refuge? A city of refuge is if a person inadvertently, accidentally murdered someone, being that it was not done out of hate, says the Torah, that person should run to the city of refuge, and that city of refuge will be an atonement for the accidental death. When Mashiach will come, God will widen the borders of Israel. Instead of having six cities of refuge, you're going to have nine. First and foremost, why do you need a city of refuge after Mashiach comes? After Mashiach comes... It says that God will remove the spirit of impurity from the land. No longer will be there be death. No longer will there be war. No longer will there be famine. So if there won't be any death, why do you need a city of refuge? A city of refuge is if I by mistake killed someone accidentally, I have to run to the city of refuge. But if no one's dying and no one's killing, why would we need additional cities of refuge? So the Rebbe explains over here that after Mashiach comes, there's going to be the resurrection of the dead. Those that lie in the dust will rise and sing. So they're going to come back to life. Now, being that already, throughout all the days of exile, there was no cities of refuge. So if someone killed another person accidentally throughout the years of exile... There was no way for that person to be atoned because there was no city of refuge. So even after they die, the soul is not yet atoned for this specific sin. For the only way to atone for this sin of accidental death is by entering into the city of refuge. So therefore, when Mashiach will come and he will bring a fixing, a tikkun to the whole world, all the people that throughout history murdered accidentally, inadvertently, will now go into the city of refuge and be atoned for that sin. And therefore the Rambam brings this as a third proof, and he says, It never happened yet that we should add three more cities of refuge. God does not command something in vain. And therefore, it's going to happen. And then he concludes, Aval, however, However, in the books of the prophets, we don't need to cite any proofs because it is replete with all of proofs pertaining to the coming of Mashiach. So the question over here is, why does the Rambam need three proofs? 
Why is one proof not enough? So the answer is as follows. As the Rebbe explains that the first answer and the first proof of the Rambam is a proof from the written Torah that the time will come that God himself will return all the captives of Israel and he will gather us all together. This is clearly a black and white statement of Geula redemption. However, the problem is that Rambam himself said we have to believe in Amelech HaMashiach, in the King Mashiach. And whoever doesn't believe in him denies not only the prophets, but also the Torah that God gave and Moses, who was the greatest of all prophets. So therefore, he has to bring a proof about Mashiach being a person. So the Rambam brings a second proof. And that is the proof from Bilam. Bilam is talking about a person as a Mashiach. As he quotes the Pasuk that a star will shoot forth from Jacob and a scepter will arise from Israel, says the Rambam, Zem Melech HaMashiach, this is the actual Messiah. So one can ask, a scholar can ask, if that is the case, why does the Rambam need the first Pasuk? Simply say the second proof and not need the first proof. So the answer is that there is a deficiency in the second proof that it's only through the oral law that we are deciphering this passage. Because the actual passage in the Torah is a star will shoot forth from Jacob and a scepter will arise from Israel. Comes along the Talmud, comes along the oral law and says, who is this? This is the first Mashiach who was David and the second Mashiach will be the Melech Mashiach. That will be the star from Jacob. This will be the scepter of Israel. But it doesn't say it specifically in the Torah. So therefore we need the first proof which clearly talks about a redemption, clearly talks about the fact God will gather together all the exiles. And then the second proof has the detail that it is referring to a king, Mashiach, an individual, a person that will lead this Geula, that will lead this redemption. And then the Rambam brings a third proof. What is the third proof? The proof of the city of refuge. That when Mashiach will come, he will add the three cities of refuge. Why is it important that the Rambam brings a third proof? And the answer is that the third proof is a mitzvah. There are 613 mitzvahs in the Torah. What is unique about a mitzvah in Torah? What is unique about a mitzvah in the Torah is that the Rambam himself says that when Mashiach will come, the mitzvahs will not be nullified. It will, there will be no addition to the mitzvahs and there will be no groin of the mitzvahs, diminishment of the mitzvahs. It will be exactly 630 mitzvahs the way we have it today. In other words, when it comes to the books of the prophets, it says the books of the prophets will be nullified after Mashiach comes, besides the book of Esther, Megillus Esther. So we see that in prophecy there is a certain level of deficiency. But the mitzvah is something which is eternal. And therefore it strengthens the haftocha, it strengthens the, the faith 
and the trust in God that Mashiach will come. And furthermore, just like a mitzvah is physical, Mashiach will be something physical. When it comes to the stories of Torah, you could translate it spiritually. But when it comes to a mitzvah, there's no way to translate it spiritually. It says in the Torah, put on tefillin, you got to put on tefillin. You can't say, well, it means the spiritual concept of godless amoychin, to expand the mind and uh, the unity of uh, Ava, of Chachman Bina, intellect and understanding. You have to put on the tefillin, literally. And so therefore, by the fact that the Rambam connects Mashiach with a mitzvah, he is coming to point out that this idea of Mashiach, this utopia, this uh, redemption, is not something which is a dream or will take place in a spiritual world, but rather it will take place within this physical world down here. Another point. As we mentioned earlier that when it comes to prophecy, prophecy has different levels. What does that mean? So first and foremost, there's a negative prophecy. If God comes along and says, I'm going to destroy the Holy Temple, like he told Jeremiah, Yermiyahu. So when it comes to a negative prophecy, says the Rambam, that a negative prophecy could change, could be reversed. It doesn't have to happen. In other words, the whole reason why God gave the prophecy was to awaken the Jews to do tshuva to repent. Jeremiah comes and says, God's going to destroy the temple. Really? So what should we do? Do tshuva. Do repentance. If you repent, God will change the prophecy. So, either through God's mercy or through repentance, a negative prophecy could be reversed. When it comes to a positive prophecy, if God tells the Navi, God tells the prophet, Alone, the positive prophecy, it could also be changed. It could also be reversed if, God forbid, there was a sin. Thirdly, when it comes to a positive prophecy that was already articulated publicly, this is not susceptible to change. But it's not because a prophecy cannot change. Rather, God does not want it to change. So, when we bring a proof that Mashiach is coming through a prophecy, there could be a change. There could be this reverse in the actual prophecy. And therefore the Rambam connects it with a mitzvah to imply that just like a mitzvah is eternal, or just like the mitzvahs will never change even after the coming of Mashiach, so too you should know that Mashiach's arrival is eternal, is definite, is something that Cannot change. Now, there's also another advantage to the second proof, which is the proof of a prophet. As the Ramam clearly says that in the portion of Bilam, it states, and then the Ramam adds the words, Af, the parishes Bilam Nemar, Visham Niba. He says that in the portion of Bilam it states, and there Bilam prophesies. Why does he have to add the word that Bilam gave a prophecy? Because there's a unique quality about a prophecy over a mitzvah. 
And that is, if a person violates a mitzvah in the Torah, there are different categories. A positive commandment, okay, you do tshuva, right away you're forgiven. A negative prophecy, you get lashes, 39 lashes. And then you have the big ones. Someone who breaks the Shabbos, and someone, uh, God forbid, who eats on Yom Kippur, someone who eats Chometz on Pesach. These are liable by death. But for a small mitzvah, a small violation is not so terrible. When it comes to a Navi, when a Navi tells you to do something, even if he tells you, fill up my cup with coffee, God said so, and you violate this mitzvah, a person who violates the word of a prophet is chayev misab de shumayim, is liable to death from heaven. And therefore there's a stringency in the words of a prophet over the words of Torah. And therefore the Rambam wants to imply on every angle the importance of the belief in Mashiach. That if you don't believe in Mashiach, and you're not awaiting his prophecy, technically you are violating the words of a prophet. It's like eating chametz on Pesach. It's like not fasting on Yom Kippur. It's like breaking the Shabbos. So that is the, the underlying message that the Rambam is conveying by bringing about that this is a prophecy in the Torah. So therefore, the Rambam brings three proofs. One is story form, which is rhetoric, that in the future, God will gather in all the exiles. And he brings in a prophecy of Bilam, and he brings in a mitzvah of Ari Miklat. Why? Because the Rambam wants to teach us that every aspect of Torah is permeated with the belief and with the desire of the coming of Mashiach. Number one, the level of story, the rhetoric of Torah. Number two, the level of prophecy of Torah. And number three, the mitzvah of Torah. All of these three levels are totally permeated with the yearning and with the desire for the coming of Mashiach. So this is the, uh, the first class on the, the Rambam and the text dealing with Mashiach. So we hope and pray to see the coming of Mashiach and the building of the Third Holy Temple speedily in our days. Amen.